What's up, everyone? It's Bo here with the penultimate She-Hulk TV talk. All right, we got introduced to what has to be the most anticipated Marvel character of all time in Leapfrog. All right, yeah, I have no idea who this person is. <laughs> you know, he's, I guess he's Marvel's kite man, right? Like, just a perfect character for this series. Like, just without question, an absolute perfect character for the series. And fantastic that he was the one that was used to bring in Daredevil. Okay, so this is really interesting, right? Because obviously there's been a lot of desire to see Daredevil come into this series. It was teased early on, and it's it's what the people want. And early on when we were kind of speculating, I was like, I really hope that we get a chance to see these two of, you know, Jen and... Matt kind of like go back and forth in court against each other and then like either team up in the streets or like have to like go, you know, against each other in the streets. Turned out they teamed up in the sheets too, but we're not going to talk about that. The point is that it was uh, it was good. It was really good. I, I liked their dynamic. I liked their uh, chemistry. It was kind of the, you know, game recognizing game on almost every single level. It was so fascinating when they did get to the team up part because I'm sitting here and I'm watching. I'm like, man, how are they going to do this? Because if you know Matt Murdock, if you know Daredevil in general, but especially this take on Daredevil, this is a character who is all about stealth. Like, you know, if, you, if he was a video game, he's the one where you're constantly in the shadows. He's not the one where you go in and you bust up and you just start taking on, you know, a hundred guys all at the exact same time. He has no, well, I mean, he does have superpowers, but he has no super strength, right? Like he, he's got like incredible fighting abilities, but his entire motif is based around being able to sneak up and take advantage of other people when they themselves are disadvantaged by what is his advantage, which is kind of either being in the dark or, well, nope, just straight up that, being in the dark, <laughs> being able to do that. I have to admit I was skeptical about how the suit was going to turn out. The yellow, dark red are the ketchup mustard motif, I believe is what Jen said. There are some costumes they say look really good on, you know, in comic books, but don't really translate to the big screen. I would argue that the mustard ketchup look doesn't even look good in comic books. It's just kind of like a, a byproduct or like a like an like a, an artifact from a bygone era of comics and from Daredevil comics in particular. Daredevil has a lot of different iconic looks. I mean, obviously his most is more of kind of the maroon red that we've come to know and love over the years, uh, be it brighter or darker, or, you know, wherever in between. He also has kind of like a gray black kind of uh, SWAT armor type costume, which is kind of cool. He's got obviously uh, the one that we saw early on in the Netflix Daredevil series, which I believe is actually based off of his first appearance in the Incredible Hulk television show. So, you know, it's interesting thinking about like the history of Daredevil in other media and just how the like the, the Hulk brand and the Daredevil brand kind of have this unique tie to each other. The trial of the Incredible Hulk, go back, you take a look at his costume. It's almost like verbatim what he ends up wearing in the Netflix series. But here we go full circle so that now I believe... Well, I guess not the gray. We haven't still gotten the gray and, and black costume in uh, in live action. But I mean, in terms of live, like, like of the costumes that we've seen, this is the one you never thought you'd see. And here it is. And it's not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. But I do kind of like the more traditional red one. I'm just going to throw that out there. Thanks for giving us this Marvel, but yeah, I wouldn't mind the more traditional red one. It's appropriate though, because so much of this storyline with Leapfrog all revolves around the superhero Taylor himself uh, with them needing to kind of combat to, I guess free Luke of these legal troubles. And it was interesting actually seeing Jen and Matt kind of go back and forth on the, you know, the secret identity of it all. I like the fact that we got the reference to the Sokovian Accords and the fact that like now a lot of superheroes are allowed to have 
secret identities. You know, when the Sokovia Accords kind of came into effect, most of the superheroes that we had out there were already unmasked. I think Spider-Man was really the only one at that point who wasn't. And honestly, even thinking back to Civil War, you know, in the comic books, most of the comic book characters at that point are known. Thor is just Thor. Captain America, everybody knows that's Steve Rogers. Tony Stark as Iron Man was at that point public knowledge. Like a lot of who the Avengers are was all in public domain, so to speak. Daredevil and Spider-Man really are two of kind of the top tier names that still maintain some sense of anonymity about who they are behind the mask. And it's cool to kind of see that continue on. It also makes reference or at least kind of draws the mind back to when Daredevil first appeared in the MCU in the No Way Home uh, movie. And so like, you know, this idea of a secret identity is kind of a fun one to play with for one thing. But the other thing is that we get a chance to see him kind of pushing Jen towards more super heroics, right? Like she hasn't actually been doing anything. Like I love the the setup for this episode talking about what is Jen going to do if she's not a superhero? Well, she's been kind of goofing off. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like she's got the powers. It's been very beneficial to her and she's, you know, enjoyed kind of that privilege of being able to walk around without a care in the world or, you know, theoretically without a care in the world. We know that the intelligentsia has been up to their shenanigans throughout the entire series. But regardless, like, you know, she's out here uh, partying it up, living it up, enjoying the She-Hulk life with all of the, yes, the kind of the questions of self and identity that go along with that. But regardless, she hasn't been using it for the public good in the way that Bruce or Matt would really kind of encourage her to do so. And in this episode, at the end, after the gala, when we see that she is really pushed to the limits and she is now for the first time seen not just as kind of this cool novelty of this She-Hulk persona, but in fact the monster that Bruce was always concerned that she might be seen as. He knows that from personal experience of like once they put you in that monster category, it is very hard to get out. And because throughout this entire series, we've seen Jen like reject She-Hulk as, as much as she could and then embrace it, but only kind of for personal benefit and not really take the kind of super heroic ownership of this dual identity and her Hulk side in general, now that is coming bound, uh, back to bite her big time. We've got <laughs> the Department of Damage Control has popped up. Intelligentsia is now out there. They've got her blood. You know, next week, the big finale is going to be really interesting to see how this all kind of comes together. Like, who is it that is going to be the one behind everything? I mean, I've been arguing it's the leader the entire time. I still think that's absolutely the case. I'm just very curious as to how that's going to play out. Here's a theory. I'm just going to throw this one out there. We saw in the end of The Incredible Hulk that the leader, you know, Hulk's or Bruce's blood was kind of flowing into the leader's head and it was starting to bubble up, but we never really saw what he turned into. It's very possible that at this stage in the game, the leader is in some sort of like weird mutated form because he didn't get enough blood to go full Hulk, so to speak. And so maybe he's been after Jen's blood as an opportunity to become whatever this next phase of the leader is going to be. Given the fact that the leader plays in to, you know, the next Captain America. There's also probably something to do with Super Soldier Serum going into that as well. So we'll just have to see where it all kind of comes together. But overall, really love this. Love the Jen and uh, and Matt dynamic. Would love to see her pop up in the Daredevil series in some form or fashion. I think that would be incredible. Please do that. Uh, please have her pop up there because I would love for these two to have a relationship, whether or not it's like a, you know, romantic or just kind of a working, you know, with benefits type situation. I'm, I'm here for it. And yes, the, the, the Daredevil uh, <laughs> walk of shame was hilarious. <laughs> But here we are. It's the penultimate episode. Love to hear y'all's thoughts on where things are going. What are your speculations for the finale? Let us know. You can head over to tvtalk.fm for all of our contact information. Uh, use the hashtag SheHulkTVTalk on Twitter. We'll check it out there. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for me for today. But don't worry. 
I'll be back in a flash.